The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Okay, so we are back, uh, continuing with our um, ad-lib version today of uh, ACB's Home Garden and Agriculture. Is, uh, is there anyone else on the call while we are waiting for, for Deborah to uh, return and let us know about our guest? Anyone else on the call like to say hello and say anything about what's happening in your part of the world? Jane Delano has her hand up. Jane, go ahead. Yes, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, so I am here in Texas. And I'm very, we've lived in a lot of different places and everywhere we've lived, we've grown something or somebody's or raised something or somebody's. Um, so I'm just very eager to um, think about whether or not I could have chickens here. I always tell people, I, I've held lots of chickens, but I haven't been responsible for raising them. So I was very interested in this and, um, I'm just glad to be here. I don't know Thank that you. I can stay the whole time, but I'll stay as I can. Well, and it may be that this gets rescheduled since uh, clearly there's there's some interest out there among folks. So um, if our guests can't join us today. I'm back. Um, hey, Deborah. I'm back. And I think, Jasmine, are you here with us? I just logged in. Hello. All right. All right. There we go. Oh, my goodness. Yay. We made it. Okay. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you and Jasmine. sorry for all the confusion. Oh, my goodness. Well, we, Completely fine. We, we did it. So, um, Mark, I'm uh, assuming you took care of all the preliminaries. You want to go ahead and start talking? And, yes, um, pretty much. We're ready to go, Deborah. So, um, okay. All press right. Ahead. So, so, our guest today is Jasmine. She is an herbalist and a homesteader. She's going to talk to us today about keeping poultry. And this goes way beyond chickens. And uh, Jasmine is um, not blind. We'll forgive her for that, but she is highly <laughs> knowledgeable and uh, she will be uh, able to answer your questions and we'll have a really good conversation. And thank you to everybody who held on and, and um, it's been two months of technical stuff in a row. So uh, we're third time's going to be the charm next month. So Jasmine, tell us a little bit about uh, your homestead. Absolutely. So first, thank you all for inviting me to speak. I'm very excited. This is something that I'm passionate about. Um, excuse my geese in the background. Outside. <laughs> um, I am. <laughs> yeah, it, it, they're just perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, adding to the conversation here. Uh, so I homestead in Southwest Missouri. Um, we call our homestead time and timber. Um, my husband and I, um, it's us and all the animals. And uh, he's a carpenter and I'm an herbalist. So we came up with this name 10 years ago, maybe longer, I don't even know. Um, and so my passion is to 
um, utilize the land that we have that we've been uh, gifted to be stewards of and um, have as many animals as I could possibly imagine, but being really good stewards of the ones that I do have and teaching other people to do the same. Um, we have bees, garden, and all of the poultry, which I'm excited to talk about. So, <laughs> all right. And in addition to poultry and bees, um, what other animals do you have on your property? We have dairy goats and we have heritage meat rabbits, um, barn cats, livestock guardian dogs, house dogs. <laughs> we haven't wow. uh, ventured into uh, any of the pigs or cows. I'm a very itty bitty human and I figured the goats were about all I could handle and then the livestock dogs are bigger than me. So we, wow. we have a lot okay. going on for sure. <laughs> yeah. And how many acres do you have there? We are on 11 acres and okay. we do have a little yeah. bit more that we can work with. But to be honest, when you are homesteading um, and, and really trying to utilize stuff, the reality is, is it takes us a while. Uh, to get to everything. So we probably only use about three, maybe four acres at the moment. Okay. So um, tell us what kind of poultry are you keeping? So at the moment on our homestead, we have chickens, we have quail, we have turkeys, heritage turkeys, and we have geese. Now I have had ducks and I have had guineas. Um, they are not currently on the farm, and that has a little bit to do with predator issues and learning the lay of the land and, and how to work the best scenario for those animals. So until that gets taken care of, we don't have them on our property. I do have duck eggs coming, though. <laughs> so the ducks okay, will be back. So, so are you raising when you get the ducks, will you be raising them for eggs or for, for meat or for both? They will be dual purpose. So we will okay. be using them for both meat and for eggs. Yes. Okay. So um, let's, let's say that we have somebody out there who's thinking, you know, I, I would love to get some poultry. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe the person has a, small yard, maybe the person has acreage. Uh, what kind of advice do you have uh, first when uh, choosing the kind of poultry the person might want to consider? Yeah, so that's a really great question and I get that often. And so my first thing is to ask you more questions, right? Because everybody has a slightly different living situation and different end goals in mind. Um, and the five more popular poultry can fill multiple situations. Um, but one of the things that I like to start off with is really what type of space and neighbors do you have? Um, because certain birds are going to fit into a more suburban situation better than say um, a very loud goose or um, birds that fly over fences, right? So if you've got like a suburban backyard, what are your goals? Are you wanting them to be friendly pets? Are you going to want to 
incubate eggs and, and really grow, or are you just wanting to have a few, um, you know, friends in the backyard, in, in the garden, laying eggs. And then the other thing is too, um, what type of housing are you prepared to set up? Because there are some like chickens, for instance, really need quite a bit of space to be able to live their best life. Um, but free ranging and hiding their eggs from you is not necessarily going to work out in your suburban backyard, right? So um, really nailing what your goal is. So if it's eggs, you've got options for chickens and ducks and quail. Um, if you have acreage and you're wanting to have, you know, pest control, maybe pick control, or, um, you know, lots of bugs and flies, then again, chickens and ducks would be good or even turkeys. Um, but maybe you're in an apartment setting and you have to go, how could I have fresh eggs and not be <laughs> having pet chickens walking around my apartment? or on my balcony, then that's something that quail can fit into because they don't need to free range and they don't need very much space. So it's a loaded question, but my thing would be to start off with what are your goals and then what are your, um, what is your situation so that you're not limited, but you have lots of opportunity to choose the right bird. That's a great answer. That really is. And it, it's summarizing a lot in, in a short amount of time that we have. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to. <laughs> yeah. And could you give us a quick overview of some of the pros and cons of, of different kinds of poultry that you've kept? Absolutely. So I think I'll start with chickens because they are the most popular. And I feel like that's what a lot of people um romanticize in their head of these having these birds and all the eggs every day so chickens are super friendly and they can be tamed which is one nice thing because they are one of the few types of poultry that don't mind hands-on um, with their humans and so they're super friendly they do a really good job taking care of all your kitchen scraps and they do lay eggs so they're a very like well-rounded animal or poultry to have no matter what the situation is. Now the downfall with chickens is they can be very noisy. And if you live in a space that has an HOA or um, neighbors that just maybe aren't super animal friendly, these may not be the best scenario for you. Now they do, they can fly, they do enjoy roosting and getting up high. And the nice thing with them is when they lay eggs, they lay eggs in a nest. So it makes it very easy to get them consistently. So they're really, there's very few cons to chickens. The big thing is going to be their noise. And they do need a minimum of about three foot per bird, three square feet per bird of space to be happy. They would like more if they were given the opportunity. Now ducks are going to be like the second most popular poultry that people keep. And they are very great. So they are hilarious. Um, they do love water. So they don't need water to survive as far as like a huge pond. They could get away with a kiddie pool or, um, you know, even a, a shallow tray, like a Rubbermaid tray or something like that. But they do need to have water. They drink a lot more water than chickens and they need to have that all the time. They just don't need to have swimming access. 
they can be chatty, but they're super cute. I mean, who doesn't like something that goes quack, 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 quack. So if you have, a, if you're an avid gardener, ducks are a really great asset because they'll eat slugs and bugs without tearing into your vegetables too much. So they're really great with that. And they are also another dual purpose where they can lay, they can be kept specifically for egg layers. Uh, you don't have to have a drake, which is the male for ducks, and they can be dual purpose if you want meat. Now, most of the domestic ducks can get quite large, um, and then there's some really fun ones called runner ducks, and they are very tall, erect ducks that move very fast. I like the slow waddlers personally. Um, now, duck eggs are very rich, and a lot of people love them for baking. They're not my favorite because they have a slightly different taste, but everybody's taste is different. So, um, but they are wonderful, wonderful additions. Now, I ha I have heard I, ducks are messier than chickens too. They are very messy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so they are messy if they're confined. So what they do um, as far as the way that they forage is they use their beaks with water to make mud holes. And then they will turn everything into mud. So if they are confined in a tight space, um, I found that they create such a muddy mess if they're not able to go from one yard to the other all day long. And so they can't really mm. be kept like in a coop, so to speak, without that being a daily chore of picking up all of their waste and then having to deal with it. So. They do attract flies because of the muddiness much more than chickens do. They, they, they can be a little bit on the messy side. That they're allowed to go all over the place in the grass and a little rainstorm all goes away. <laughs> um, now I'll, I'll really quickly go over turkeys and geese because they are really not the easiest uh, poultry to keep, especially if you're new to poultry. Um, they require a very large amount of space, um, and they're not known to be very friendly, either turkeys nor geese. They can be. The hens of the turkeys can act like puppy dogs when they're young, but getting them to adulthood is very challenging, and you have to be very diligent with them because they are prone to diseases, and they are prone to um, not having good instincts until they are older. So. They're not ideal for beginners. They are not consistent egg layers. Turkey eggs do not taste good. They have a very gritty texture. Um, when they're cooked, it tastes like you're eating sand. It's very, very bizarre. Um, so unless you're just wanting meat production, I would skip turkeys for most people, although they are beautiful to look at. Now geese, of course, are loud and they're very protective. The cool thing about geese is they really don't need to be fed anything more than grass, except for when they're laying eggs, which is a very short season. So if you just need um, an animal to manicure your lawn and protect your chicken flock, then maybe consider geese. Um, otherwise, they might be a hard pass with your new, if you have guests over that they don't know, they will bite. <laughs> oh, and then my last and favorite is quail. And those are um, little domestic paternix, uh, which is also Japanese quail. I have about 300 of them at the moment, and they take up less space than my chickens do. 
Yes, 300 take up less space than 30 chickens do. <laughs> that is a they lot are, of quail. <laughs> I know. They are my, my favorite at the moment uh, because I can keep them protected. So they have to be confined. That is the one rule with quail is they are, they are perfect for small spaces. And they don't have to free range. They don't know how to free range. They put themselves in danger that way. But they are incredible egg producers. They lay eggs every single day, just like a chicken would. They start laying at six weeks old. So you don't have to wait for a baby chick to be six or you know, four to six months old like chickens to get your eggs. So they're very, very fun and they're very quiet. And they can live in an HOA backyard as well. Okay, that was my little. Let's just tell you everything in a very short. <laughs> that is a great overview, and, and and you can keep quail in a little uh, confined area on a an, an apartment balcony too. You said yes, yes, you wow. absolutely could. I have friends in our community that um, they have very limited housing space. They have a one bedroom apartment and they're able to keep about 50 quail and they have eggs that they can sell to the community. So it helps them um, have a, a form of income where uh, otherwise their disability doesn't allow them to have a lot of ways to work. Um, so they, they fit the bill for a lot of people just getting started and um, their eggs are, they sometimes will lay in this cute little pile. Uh, they don't require anything fancy. So you can just reach in, grab your eggs and at the end of the day, they're evening layers and then enjoy their little wild bird chirping. They sound like little uh, songbirds. They're so cute. Hmm. So I, I think I heard about three quail eggs make up a standard chicken egg. Would, would you say that's comparable? That is correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Wow. All right. Well, I, I, I want to give people a chance to chime in, but first, Marge, do you have any questions before we take calls from people? You, yes, you mentioned that you don't have guineas at, at the current time. Do you want to say anything about them just to round out the, um, Absolutely. the, the poultry list? <laughs> sure thing. So, um, guinea fowl are incredible. I actually do enjoy them a lot. They take a little bit of extra training. And the reason a lot of people bring them to either their homesteads or their farms is for pest control. They are devastating on ticks. And I don't know how they find them, but they do. And our homestead was just about tick-free for about three years straight because of our guinea fowl. Now, they are incredibly loud. If you've never experienced uh, guinea fowl sounds, if you just Google it and listen to the sound of it, it they sound like a cross between a peacock and a turkey and a chicken at the loudest decibel possible. <laughs> and they scream all day long, all the way into the night. Um, I describe them as large melons with tiny legs running across the yard chasing each other all day. Now some people do use them for um, meat production. They're not the best egg layers. They're very seasonal. Um, 
I do adore them, but they love to roost in the trees and they don't love to be confined, which makes it very challenging to keep them on your homestead and not annoy the neighbors. And so all of mine either were attacked by foxes, which was an unfortunate event, or they flew over the fence to my neighbor's barn and decided that my neighbors were a better home for them. I had to apologize to them because they are so obnoxiously loud, but the neighbors didn't seem to mind too much. Um, we have a hand up. Real Chicken Whisperer wants to ask a question. All right. Yeah. yeah I, uh, can, can, tell us where you're calling from, if you don't mind. Sure. I, I'm Tanya and I'm calling from Indiana. Um, I've you. raised several flocks of chickens, absolutely loved it. But my husband is wanting to try quail. And I was just curious, uh, due to some health issues, I have developed a sensitivity to chicken eggs. And I was wondering if quail mm -hmm. eggs are any better on the stomach. That is an excellent question, Tanya. Thank you for coming up and chatting. So I actually have a severe gut reaction to chicken eggs. Um, so that's actually part of the reason why I got into my quail. Um, I did some testing with my doctors and we kind of tried it out and I have zero reaction. Now this is of course my own experience, but zero reaction to quail eggs. And I was able to have everything I could ever want and more again. And I hadn't eaten eggs for almost a year until I got into quail eggs. So they do have a slightly different chemical makeup, although they taste very similar to chicken eggs. Um, it has been found that many people, not all, but many people can consume quail eggs that have severe sensitivities to chicken eggs. So it would be worth trying if you had somebody that you could purchase some eggs from just to see. And then if you wanted to raise them on your own, oh my goodness, they are amazing to raise. Okay, thank you very much for that information. That's very encouraging because I was just devastated that I I thought, yes. well, no point in raising any more chickens if I can't eat the eggs. He's the only one that can eat them. So this is really good news. Thank you. And and do you, you are have so a welcome. breed do you have a breed recommendation for a kind of quail she might want to look at for egg production? So in the United States, most states, including Indiana, would have to have a permit for anything other than the domestic Japanese quail. Um, anything like a bobwhite or valley quail or California quail, because those are native game birds, you have to have permits for most states in the United States. So um, I would suggest going with Coternix, um, again, Japanese quail. They come in several different color variations, which does not affect the egg. And there's also two egg colors, which does not affect the taste or anything like that of the egg. So any colors, um, any any size, there's jumbo and there's standards, standard and jumbo eggs that they lay are only like a couple grams different that I have found. So any of them would work beautiful. And what color eggs? So the Japanese quail normally lay a light tan egg, but they actually ink them with different spots or stripes 
or some of them almost look like marbles, um, but they're usually brown is what they call them. Now, there are a variation called celadon. And the best um, suggestion I could say with those is it's almost like a robin's egg blue, um, but a little bit lighter like the sky. They're very pretty and they have no spots. Oh, wow. Those do sound nice. Yeah, you're, you are mm -hmm. starting to tempt me to get into quail. <laughs> oh, bring you to my side. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I'm still keeping the chickens, though. Uh, any any questions, Marge, or do we have any hands raised? No more hands right now. Um, Nikki, you don't. Okay. Oh, Carol's hand just went up. <laughs> And I don't have any right now. Okay. Hi, Carol. Hi. Hi there. I this is not a question for me. I I'm really um, I love eggs, but chickens would be a little beyond me for me. But my daughter lives in North Carolina, and she has a plenty of land, has a pond, etc. And they have some semi wild Muscovy ducks that um, mm -hmm. come and have been laying eggs. They just, one of them just lays eggs and my daughter's been going out and getting them and they eat them, they're fine. And she's kept some of them now. She got an incubator and is, would like to just wants to raise them. She'll do much more about it. But it was very intriguing to me that, and she said that she has to, um, once they're, um, they hatch, she doesn't have to feed them for three. I don't know. There's details about this that are beyond me, and has them. We'll have them in a in a um, uh, in the bathtub, and then they'll go out. And they won't have a. She doesn't plan to have a a coop for them or anything. They'll just be mm -hmm. join the wild group. And I wondered if you knew anything more about that because it sounds sounds like the best best of both worlds to me. Yeah, so Muscovies are a very feral type of waterfowl. They aren't quite ducks, and they aren't quite geese, and they aren't quite swans. They're right in their own little subcategory. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. They're they make very delicious meat, to be honest. And their eggs are eaten just like regular duck eggs. Um, and because they are semi-feral, they do have no issues adapting right away now because they are in that same family they will imprint on your daughter and most likely they will like to stay with her because that will be the first um mama that they uh -huh. see <laughs> so oh, okay. she will have some responsibility to make sure that they know where to eat and how to eat and some responsibility of keeping them safe because they are still going to be ducklings as they first hatch out. Mm -hmm. So there'll be mm -hmm. a little bit of difficulty um, getting them back to more feral like their parents. So it would definitely be a very fun experiment. And Muscovies will fly into the trees and roosts. They are very much so wild. <laughs> now, if they get eaten though, um, for human consumption, it actually is like eating a beef steak. They're very, very dark meat and very, very lean. Ah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you. But That's most helpful. You're yeah. welcome, Carol. They're very, very <laughs> yeah. cool birds. 
Yeah, I'll see them when I go down there. But uh, she just, yeah, because they have plenty of land. I mean, it's it just, just yeah. and pond and they all that kind of It would be a wonderful addition to, for sure, yeah. addition to their acreage. It'd yeah. be beautiful. Yeah. And they have already have a, another band of them. That's where she's getting the eggs. And they just lay mm-hmm. them under a tree. It's They don't sit on the eggs or anything. It's really, yeah, to me, they're not weird, the best but. mothers. Yes, they are oh, very weird. Okay. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Okay. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank You're you, welcome. Cheryl. That was a fun story to hear about. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Do we have any other hands or questions? I have another question for you if we don't. No, there are no hands right now. Okay. Okay. So, so Jasmine, let's say that... Um, Somebody's gone to the feed store, and I won't name yes. any names because this <laughs> certainly couldn't have happened to me. And that person hears these cute little chicks peeping. What should mm-hmm. that person consider before buying the chicks or ducklings or you know whatever cute little fuzzy little critters? They're tempting. <laughs> they are the feed so store. tempting. Oh, they are so, so tempting. And honestly, they are a time investment when you get younglings like that. So chicks and ducklings do require a lot of care as young ones up until at least for sometimes even eight weeks, depending on the weather where you live. Uh, before they can go outside and endure the nighttime temperatures. So that's called brooding, and you would need a container. Um, like Carol had said, her daughter was thinking about having those those little ducklings in the bathtub. That certainly works for ducklings, um, as long as you have a spare bathtub, because they probably don't like the soap suds <laughs> from the shower. But... Um, something nice and dry, you're going to need bedding, you're going to need something to heat them with, whether it's, I personally don't think that it's the wisest decision to use a heat lamp, um, just because there's a very high fire hazard. So an alternative to that is actually what's called a heat plate, and it mimics mother hen where there's radiant heat at the bottom and the chicks can go under it and and warm themselves that way. And it takes very low energy. So that's another, that's a great option. They eat a lot. Chicks eat all day, all night. So having an appropriate feed crumble that's specifically for growing chicks is going to be important as well. And I must warn you that as much as they eat, they also poop. And If you ever have a chance to talk to my mother, who you may never have, um, as a teenager, I worked at an animal hospital and we rescued some ducks. And I told my mom that they were only going to be in the house for a couple of weeks. I had them in a playpen in my bedroom. And I'm going to paint this picture for you really quick. But basically, I fed them and they pooped and they pooped and they pooped. And I had a Glade plug-in and I'll never forget the smell. It was Hawaiian breeze. And to this day, if I smell Hawaiian breeze, I go, ugh, duckling poop. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, you know, that smell imprints in your brain. (laughs) 
Yeah, that poop is significant. And um, when yes. I did, when I raised chicks, I agree with you. I I don't recommend the heat lamp, even though that's what I've used when I've raised them mm-hmm. in the past. Um, yes, the little hover brooder or heat plate is a much better idea. But um, yes. I used to with I don't I haven't used the heat plate so I so with the heat lamp you you put a thermometer in there and monitor correct and you start mm-hmm. like at 95 degrees and then bring it down five degrees every week yeah and I had a I had a talking thermometer in with my chicks and very cool it was mm-hmm. always it was always covered with poop because I had to put it where they always <laughs> they loved it they they used it as a little roost and yeah you, you of course the first couple of days they're so cute and it's so big deal but boy after about the fourth or fifth day you're changing that cleaning it up all the time and I would yes. use vinegar water to clean and you're you're mm-hmm. changing the bedding, and you have to make sure the water doesn't spill, and 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 it that it can get stinky real fast, and very quickly they they, out, they get to a stage where they're scratching around and they're kicking dust up all over, and they can and then you have this layer of dust your, all over your yes, home, everything, <laughs> yes. And they can fly out of the brooder before you know it. So you have to cover that. Yeah. And there's a lot to think about. So um, mm-hmm. are, do you recommend that beginners start with chicks or, or start with a maybe get an adult bird or juvenile bird? I actually do recommend starting with a, a juvenile or adult Um, especially if it's your first time because chicks are, like I said, a time investment. And there's a lot of things that can go wrong um, that are, you know, happens innocently, just us not knowing what's going on, especially if we're new and the equipment that you need and the space that you need to raise chicks. And then you still have to come up with the housing for the adult birds. I like the idea of the adult birds for beginners. Now, of course, if you are a nurturer and you really like to connect with those birds, or if you feel that you would benefit from raising a very young bird, like a chick or a duckling, so that you can bond with it and handle it more, um, then of course, go for a chick. But I do like it for the purpose of egg laying and just being able to get started without the health issues of raising a chick. Adults are very easy to come by. There's lots of people that sell them. And as much as those cute little cheapers, the soft little fuzz butts, <laughs> tempt us, the workload is much higher than starting with an adult. Yeah, there, there actually is a, a risk of catching salmonella and if you're not careful. Um, yeah. So there, there can be a little bit of a risk. We've to got two hands too. up. All right. Uh, Nella um, is first. Ahead. Nella Foster is first. Hey. Hi, Hi Jasmine. I'm so glad you made it, Jasmine and Deborah. I just had a quick comment. Hi. I, wanted, I, I just I had a quick comment that I wanted to make for people thinking about getting poultry is if you live in an urban area, you really need to check the laws and the zonings and that kind of thing. Um, 
most cities I think do allow chickens now, but there's usually some rules about the number, but sometimes there's rules about housing and how far they have to be from property lines and stuff like that. So no rooster. And usually yeah. no roosters. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No roosters. Yeah. So if you live, you yeah, know, in I found a city that out the hard way. More urban area, I would definitely do you know do your homework before you know, you would jump into check-ins. That might be the time for those little quails. Right. I so agree Excellent. with that, Nella, for sure. Nella, thank up. you so much for bringing that up. And Nella is also the one who connected us with Jasmine. So thank you, Nella. Thank you. Devin right, has her next? hand. Devin? Hi, Devin. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes. Okay. Um, I was just curious about the the quail, like what kind of housing you actually put them in? Is it like a coop style, like a chicken, or is it like a hutch kind of a thing? And also, where do you get the quail? Because, you know, it, like I've never seen them sold in like a tractor supply kind of situation. Do you have to order them by mail or... Yeah, so those are wonderful questions, Devin. Thank you. Um, so the housing is going to be closer to a hutch style for quail. Um, they are flyers to a certain extent, but instead of actually flying, they flush, which is just really harsh jumping. So you don't want to have a cage or a hutch that's any taller than about 18 inches or else they can get head injuries. So having, um, you can do stacked cages, you can use hutches. You could even, if you have, if you're wanting a smaller amount of them, um, you could have them in like a gerbil cage or like not a gerbil cage, a guinea pig cage. Can you tell that rodent pets are not my forte? <laughs> um, but anything like that, um, they will, in a cage setting, need one square foot for every three adult Paternix quail. So that makes it very easy to have plenty of egg production for one person in one small cage um, because they don't need all that space and they don't need a roost and they don't need a nest box. It makes it very simple to keep them. As far as where to find them, um, a lot of times you will see people at swap meets um, that's where you'll find all sorts of poultry and other farm animals. Um, because they're not as popular yet, it is a little bit tricky to find them. So when I sell quail, because it's not very popular around here, I actually just put an ad on Craigslist and that's how people find me. And I will sell adults or I'll sell, um, chicks. Now you can't, order chicks, you can order chicks online. Let me rephrase that. You can order quail chicks online through different hatcheries like Murray McMurray, Meyer Hatchery, places like that. But day old quail chicks do not ship well because they chill and die very quickly. So you want to make sure that you're only finding places to order adults. My favorite place is actually in Ohio and that is My Shire Farm. And they will sell you um, already sexed quail. So you can choose hens, you can choose roosters, you can choose a breeder set from them. And they will send you 
a four to five week old set of quail in the mail and you would pick them up at your post office just like you would any other uh, poultry. So that's another option as well. Does okay, that answer all your questions, Devin? Wow. We've got only yeah, about very much. four more minutes before I have to um, shoo everyone out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I, it sounds like we need to have you back, Jasmine. I hope we can. I would be glad to. <laughs> that would be awesome. We'll give you the full hour next time. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been highly informative. And I didn't get on the call uh, early enough to, to get the names of our um, hosts today. I, I, I want to thank our hosts. Thank you. Uh, Marge, do you want to uh, send us out? Sure. And, uh, maybe sure, you Deborah. know the names of our hosts. I, I do. Appropriately. Deanna is our host today. <laughs> thank you so very much. Appreciate it with all this chaos and everything. And thank you to our streamer. Um, Nikki <laughs> as well, Nikki. Yes, and um, be sure to to join us next month. We're looking at doing a, an open time since it's springtime, and we'd love to hear from all of you about um, your planting, um, what you're hoping to do um, in your part of the world, and. Um, we, we uh, may talk as well some about pollinators, work in some of that discussion, and, uh, and certainly consider for the future asking, asking Jasmine to, uh, to come back again for part two of uh, poultry. I think there's a lot more to learn, and this has been fascinating. I, I'd love to keep quail. I think it would be great if my cats could be kept away from them. That would be great. Yes. <laughs>